Are you ready? <laughs> yes, I'm ready now. <laughs> That's going to be the intro. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Goodreads Better Friends. I'm Morgan. And I'm Aisha. If you want to send us your art, your poetry, your short stories, your paintings, your whatever. love letters. Whatever you want to send us. Your <laughs> frustration with quarantine. Yes. Feedback. Yes. yes. Feedback. If there's something that we do that you hate, be really nice about it because I cry <laughs> easily. But, um... <laughs> You but think yeah, she's lying. We, we love feedback. I cry at Hallmark commercials, my dude. Um, I have definitely cried watching BoJack Horseman. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's easy. Especially when it ended. Oh, I just finished it. I'm gonna talk about it. It's in my notes. Oh okay. really? Yeah. Yay! Um. So anyways, be nice, please. We are. We try to be nice people. If you could return that to us, we love you guys, our listeners. If you've taken time to listen to us, we love you, so be nice to us. But we want your feedback. So you can reach us at um, Goodreads Better Friends Podcast at gmail.com. I know that's a mouthful. I made the title. It's fine. You can chastise me later. (laughs) But um, yeah, you can email us at any time. It's always open. Um, You can reach us on Tumblr at Goodreads Better Friends Pod. Um, on Twitter at gr underscore bf pod, where I post lots of political things, and um, Instagram at goodreads underscore better friends. Give us a follow, and you can follow my personal account, which is i as in your eyeball underscore ish underscore ug. And did you want to plug yourself? Uh, yes, you can follow me at certified underscore morganic. Wait, is there an underscore in that? No, I don't know anything about myself. Um, <laughs> Too let much me look at my own thing. Yeah, it's certified underscore morganic. That is my Instagram. I also wanted to make a quick note. I don't know if I've emphasized this enough in the past, but our Tumblr is where we're putting, we're not just like reblogging pictures of pretty books, which we are doing that too, but we're also putting our show notes for every episode on our Tumblr. So we put... We put links to the things that we talk about. We, I try to find the individual authors' websites uh, to buy like books if you want to buy the books. That way, you're giving them money and not Amazon. Um, and so, like, yeah, I'm trying to. We try to put links out to the things that we talk about. Last episode, I put a picture of Aisha's really pretty ukulele. And so, yeah. Uh, and also, we have links to all of our other social media and our Gmail. If you can't be bothered to remember what it is, you can just click on it, send us an email. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. Do you want to start? Sure. Um, I didn't actually look up, like, any good news articles. I will say that um, Brianna Taylor, one of three cops, mm-hmm. Brent Hankison, um, got fired, but that's it. Not charged. They keep doing things mm. that are like, oh, this will appease them. Like they no, passed Brianna's the law. Things. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, just arrest mm. them. They mm-hmm. murdered her while she mm-hmm. was sleeping. Arrest I don't, them. I don't know why it's so hard. It's, <laughs> is, it, is it what? It's to me, it blows my mind that even Black Lives Matter could be this much of a controversy. Right. It's not political. I agree. Our it lives actually not. matter. It should. I, I like. I remember it was it two thousand eight when the Black Lives Matter rallies were. Yeah, because the, yeah, people were losing their mind over mm-hmm. Obama. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we should be 
pretty proud of this movement. Oh, absolutely. And this is the one positive, I, I know it's weird to call this positive, but it's the one positive thing that could come out of the Trump regime is the rising of racism because it's like people were so comfy and they thought racism had ended right. and it didn't. Well, so yeah, it's good to like right. bring it to the surface and then talk about it on a systemic level so mm -hmm. that we can actually do things about it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like Everybody kind of reached their breaking point, yeah. which, like, everybody's uncomfortable, yes. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this is how the change happens, you know? Exactly. And so, yeah, I <laughs> agree. Like, you're going to be uncomfortable until systemic racism has completely been abolished. Yeah. You know what I yes. mean? And I also thought it was really cool about the Aunt Jemima and the Uncle Ben's thing, because mm -hmm. it's like... Obviously, that's not really what we care about for this movement, but it shows solidarity. Even yeah. if you don't understand it and it makes you upset that this long-life image of Aunt Jemima is being removed, it doesn't matter. Nobody yeah. fucking cares about your opinion because no. at the end of the day, it was wrong. <laughs> and Every they're acknowledging it. Every take is important. Exactly. It's yeah. all like a little tiny piece mm -hmm. of systemic racism being removed. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to exactly. take every bit of that and we're going to try to make a bigger difference. Right, right, right. So yeah. Um, that wasn't necessarily good news. <laughs> but Just stuff. Um, Just news. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, my thing this week, because last week we talked about like manifesting positivity. Mm -hmm. So my thing has been um, finding balance and setting intentions mm. for myself. So um, I've been meditating every night before bed. I started journaling, which is something I've never done before, because the first time I tried journaling, I was like in fourth grade and my mom read it, <laughs> which, oh, is, no. which is honestly the reason I turned to poetry in the first place, because mm. I wanted to find a way to talk about these things a little less bluntly, yeah. but then it turns out I am a very blunt poet anyway, so... <laughs> but it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. So, um, I started journaling, um, and I'm sort of writing down, like, how I feel after, like, right after the meditations, um, and also how I feel the next day, um, if I'm just more productive, if I'm more present, like, mm -hmm. I'm writing those things down, and I'm trying to set intentions to have, like, a more positive day, and, like, be more active, so my roommate and I have been, like, working on our backyard, which, um, remind me to take down there and show it freely, yeah. um, yeah, <laughs> what was I saying, I was, we were working on our backyard, I'm just, like, like I said last week, I'm just trying to remain normal and find a little bit more balance. Um, so I want to encourage people to do that. Like, set intentions. Because mm -hmm. it's it's like once you talk about it and you manifest it, you make it real. So just set that intention for yourself. And you might see some positive change in yourself. I've also, um, I've also been... This is a... I won't say a flex. I'm just talking about myself at this point. <laughs> uh, I started, like, dabbling in nonfiction, like, short stories um, of just about my childhood because I keep remembering Ooh. really weird things um, about my childhood that I'm just like, why did I, why did I bury that? Mm -hmm. So um, I actually read at the open mic discord last thursday mm -hmm. this piece about how i almost got kidnapped when i was young oh, shit. <laughs> that happened i was very young though i was like not even in school so it's really crazy that i could even remember that i hope it's not like a false memory but yeah. uh, i don't think it is <laughs> this is the thing because i like i just weren't like when the memory came to me i was like oh yeah that happens like you know what i mean uh -huh. like that definitely happened i, I said like no i <laughs> i know what you mean um, 
So was that a, did you, was it a poem or was it like a short essay kind of thing? So here's the thing. <laughs> I tried to do it as a short essay, but when I read it, it sort of came out as a poem. I remember Jonathan actually made a comment and said, you could read that at a slam and totally win. So oh, it sounded more poetic, but, and that's, that's what happens every time I try to write something that's not poetry. Mm-hmm. It sounds like poetry. So, um, really, it's so weird to me that like you and I like are like in sync a lot. Because I just, like, two days ago, I was in the middle of working, and I was just like, I need to write about this thing that I'm thinking about. And it's about, it's just a summary. It's like, I tried to make it kind of poetic. I was thinking maybe I could read it a slam, but it's more like short essay kind of thing, like little life blurb. But basically, it's about how a friend of mine and I were, like, high at the park on Riverscape one summer like really balmy summer evening and I might have told you about this some like some little girl and her dad ran up the steps right in front of us it's this big hill and the little girl's like I won and the dad's like no you didn't and he was just like they were just playing around it was like a cute father-daughter moment and they walked away and I like turned to my friend and I was like I am gonna make a point to remember that and that girl and her dad might forget it They might never think about it again, but I'm going to remember it, and I'm going to be the keeper of that memory. And she was like, yes, never forget. And we, like, (laughs) joked about getting tattoos about it. But then I was, like, pondering, like, does anybody keep any of my memories? And then, like, there were, like, some, like, examples I was going to bring up, you know, like little minutes in my life, little moments that maybe somebody else remembers that I don't. Just, like, and they have it locked away in their little box. And anyways, so it's weird that we, like, are, like, thinking about these, like, (laughs) memories and writing little essays. And that's really cool. I really like that for you because you have, like, (laughs) even in the way you just described that blurby, I was thinking of, like, the beginning of a video game, like, Life is Strange or something. Yeah. That's what that felt like. (laughs) And you you have such a capacity to describe things in this, like... (laughs) I mean, you think you were there. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I was in that moment with you because of how you describe that. So if you keep writing, I'm going to be so happy. <laughs> Listen, Morgan has, like, really good ideas for short stories, but never writes them. I never write them nuts. with F down, uh. ever. Because, <laughs> like, and it's comforting to hear you say that because I don't believe in my own capacity to describe. Like, I can describe, like, a summer evening, sure, but I can't describe my emotions for shit. I can't describe my feelings, I feel like, and so I need to, like, keep practicing so mm-hmm. I can get a handle on that. But that's, like, that's where I gave up. I described that evening with my friend really well and then as soon as I got to the point where I'm like I wonder who holds my memories I was like I shut down I was like do I have memories I don't remember anything except for this moment right here so you know I don't know how to describe my feels sometimes I feel like that's such a a display of the self like like not being able to sit down and and look at your emotions and how they work for Mm -hmm. you because I'm the same way that's why my poetry is so blunt because Uh I I I don't have a capacity to control like, uh, how I feel. Mm-hmm. I know sounds, what you mean. Yeah, like, um, especially when describing it to someone. Like, even if I'm upset about something, it comes out in such a weird way that yes. it's even hard for me to believe I'm upset. Because I'm like, that's not, that's not what I'm, that's not why I'm upset. I knew exactly why I was upset. I just, like, don't have the capacity to tell yeah. people yeah. why, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And exactly <laughs> it's so frustrating. It's like you lose your ability to speak <laughs> or, or like relay the information in your brain. Mm-hmm. It's so stressful. Yeah. Ugh. But anyways, I'm rambling. Um, oh, no. I think that's awesome that you're doing that. And I'm excited to hear more. 
Oh, cool. Uh, sorry that I didn't hear that one. Maybe you can read it to me sometime. Okay. For sure. It's on my computer somewhere. Alright. I'll send it. To, how about this? Mm-hmm. I'll get a few more written down and I'll send it to you. Okay. And you can read it whenever the fuck you want okay. to. Okay. Okay. Did you so, have any good news? I, so everybody knows all the bad news that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't want to talk about that so much because there are lots of podcasts that are doing very good informative talks about it and I'm not a very good informed person but I wanted to share something exciting that I joined today it's the YWCA Dayton's 21 day challenge it specifically started today because today is Juneteenth how do we not talk about that yet happy Juneteenth happy Juneteenth (laughs) hi let me say that again happy Juneteenth (laughs) I'm black why didn't I say that I just got swept up in everything and it's so funny because we mentioned it right before the the podcast we were just talking about it as we're recording it's Juneteenth (laughs) yes it won't be Juneteenth when you hear this no we're we're good but we're not that good guys um anyways uh so the 21 day challenge is basically um you sign up for the email list it's free to join i'm gonna put the link to the website on our show notes um it's 21 days of you taking time to learn about racial equity and try to be like a stand with the community basically an ally. And so, uh what an ally yeah an ally i thought you said in la and i was like no it's dayton um <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> an ally yes and so um is really really cool so i feel like there's no excuse not to join because it's free and if you're like a super busy person i'm not a busy person but i tell myself i am to excuse the amount of time that i sit on the couch and knit um but (laughs) but even if you're a busy person they have like different challenges for different amounts of time that you have and i was able to do two of them today so if you only have five minutes there's a link it like says if you only have five minutes here's a link to an article read the article today it was um an article about anti-racism how to be an anti-racist and what anti-racism is. And then if you have, I think it was 20 minutes, then listen to this podcast. And I listened to the podcast because I was working. I had time to listen. And it was um, Ibrahim X. Kendi's, uh, he just, he's talking about his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, which I'm reading right now. Very good. Um, And so it's like an interview with him. He's kind of summarizing his book and talking about his process for writing it and everything. And then if you have 30 minutes, go on to this interactive website and there's a bunch of stuff you can do on it. And then they also send you a link to like, you can download a journal and keep it and reflect on what you learned that day, how you're feeling about everything going on. And so it's just a really good time for you to self-reflect and learn how to be a good ally and learn how to be an anti-racist and learn how to support your community, your black community. And so I think it's really awesome. And I'm going to share it on our show notes. And I don't think you have to live in Dayton to do the 21 day talent challenge. It's just part of YWCA Dayton's thing that they're doing. Also really fun news. Um, change.org has a petition to change the name of Columbus to flavor town. <laughs> and I, okay. Everybody knows it's not going to happen, but I just want to let you know, I saw that article at like three thirty PM. <laughs> I checked the petition right before we started this. It, the, I probably checked it at six thirty. It had 9,130 signatures out of 10,000. So by the time you guys hear this, it'll already be signed and stuff. <laughs> um, so I guess, you know, I've been talking about moving to Flavortown anyways, so 
I can't wait personally. Um, <laughs> it's just fun to have goofy things. Um, yeah, so those, those, those are my big news. I love that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing personal, really, at all. And that's it. Yeah. Well, that's it for the good news segment. I liked that. I feel like that was that was so natural. Like I just adored every second of that. What? I just missed this so much. Yeah, the face to face. Yeah. We can't go back. We can't. <laughs> we can't go back. I don't know how to do it the other way. <laughs> I'm too awkward. <laughs> yeah, I hate having the video chat. I don't even mm-hmm. call people ever, Mm-mm. ever because I can't talk on the phone. Mm-hmm. If I'm not talking to someone face to face, it is awkward city. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't matter how well I, I know am. you. Honestly. I know. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm I'm the same way. Even if I've known you for years and years and years, I will not talk on the phone with you in a way that is not awkward. Right. Like I'm sorry. I've even gotten kind of awkward talking to my family members on the phone, Me which too. I used to be like. I mean, I live eight hours away from my family, so I used to be really good at like calling them and talking to them. But now I'm just. I've lost all my social skills. What yeah, the F? Yeah. <laughs> Oops. I don't know if I ever had social skills, but the ones I was gaining <laughs> are gone now. We backslid a little bit. Yeah, Thanks. A little. Thanks, COVID. Thank you, COVID. <laughs> oh, Shout boy. out to COVID for ruining yeah. my life and cock blocking me. All my me. social engagements. I bought new Doc, Doc Martens and I can't wear them and I directly me blame too. COVID. I literally bought mine right before quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> so I wear mine grocery shopping. Me they're too. Like, they're like... <laughs> Shiny chrome Doc Martin uh, freaking Oxfords, and I wore them grocery shopping. I love that. <laughs> I, I think I wore mine when we went protesting, and that's about oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. You look badass. I look badass in those boots. Yeah. <laughs> you did. Yeah. They were protest boots. <laughs> awesome. and they're super comfy for walking around for three hours, so yeah. that's good. Bueno. <laughs> All, right. All right. You want to get into our stories? Story time. Who wants to go first? I don't care. I feel like I always make you go first, so I am happy to go first if you want. Go right ahead, babe. Okay, what did I read? Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. Um, I read a book. Get ready for the title. It's a mouthful. It is called The Faceless Old Woman Who Secretly Lives in Your Home. Some of you might recognize that phrase from the podcast, Welcome to Night Vale. This is a novel that takes place in the Welcome to Night Vale universe. Um, it's written by Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner, which are the writers of Welcome to Night Vale. And it is just a pretty solid book. It's very whimsical and fun, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know why I said but there. It's a good book. I like it. Um, I'll edit it out. It, what? I'll edit it out. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I actually listened to the audiobook version of it because I, I mean, I enjoy listening to the Welcome to Night Vale novels on audiobook because it's pretty much like listening to the podcast. Um, but this one was instantly a surprise to me. I didn't pay attention when I downloaded it. It wasn't read by the guy who normally narrates them. It's read by Mara Wilson. I don't know if you know who that is. She's the girl who played Matilda. She was also in Mrs. Doubtfire. She grew up, and she does a little bit of acting, but mostly she does, like, blogging and writing. And I've seen her. She was in Broad City. Uh, She played a waitress where they did, like, a beautiful reenactment of the Mrs. Doubtfire Mm -hmm. restaurant scene. But other than that, I haven't, like, I guess heard her voice. And she has just a really sexy voice. And it instantly drew me into this book. Really? Because she reads it so just eloquently, and she pronounces everything beautifully and she's what 
you could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's good though. I like her a lot. And um, I listened to it, and that really added to the magic. I think a lot. I was reading through it, and I mean, it's a solid book regardless. Like the reading doesn't mean anything if it's not a well-written book. But I don't think I would have been as engaged in it if I hadn't listened to Mara Wilson read it to my eardrums. Um, so yeah, that is a really fun part of it. Um, it also struck me right away, not only was it read by a different narrator than the other Welcome to Night Vale novels, but also it just has a totally different tone. The other Welcome to Night Vale novels that I've listened to slash skimmed, um, <laughs> are set up pretty much in the same manner as the Welcome to Night Vale podcast. The Welcome to Night Vale podcast, I should really quickly say, I'll try to say it as summed up quickly as possible, but it's um, basically set up like a radio show um, that takes place in the desert town of Night Vale. I believe Night Vale is in the desert in California, and it's just like this crazy kind of like different dimension where weird stuff happens all the time. There are secret police, and there's just like funky supernatural things happening all the time and all the residents there are just kind of numb to it they're like yep this is life you know what every intern that works at the radio station is gonna die a horrible death yep. and that's fine and there is like a cat that they find in the radio station bathroom that just levitates four feet off the air and it's fine they feed him he's happy like it's just like weird stuff all the time there um there's like a lady who lives on the edge of town named old lady josie and she claims that there are angels but you're not supposed to acknowledge the angels and the government uh, really doesn't want you to talk about the angels or acknowledge them or look at them. Or, and so it's just like really weird stuff. You have to listen to the podcast and you'll understand. It's like menacing and goofy at the same time. And so this book is, like I said, a very much different tone. There's a character in Welcome to Night Vale uh, called the faceless old woman who secretly lives in your home. And she lives in the home of every person in Night Vale. She's omnipotent. And she basically just terrorizes them. She doesn't have a face, or if she does, you can't really recognize it. it. Like, as soon as you look away from it, you forget what it looked like. And she just, like, scuttles around on your ceiling and puts worms in your shoes. And she basically terrorizes, but also guides the citizens of Night Vale. She kind of gets them to do her bidding. She'll, like, she's in the beginning of the book talking to a character named Craig and you find out quickly that she's trying to lead Craig in the right direction. She like doesn't like the guy that Craig is uh, the girl that Craig is dating. So she takes his phone and she sends the girl like awful pictures of mutilated animals so that the girl breaks up with him. And she's like, you're better off this way. Like this girl wasn't meant to be your forever person. Don't worry. And she causes him to have a car accident with another woman that she thinks that he will actually like, and her name is Amaranta. And he actually ends up falling in love with her, but she, like, does all these kind of awful things to get him to do, to make the right decisions throughout his life. And, um, <clears throat> basically this is the origin story of hers. So she's, like, over 200 years old. Most of the novel takes place in the Mediterranean during the 19th century. She grows up on this large estate that, um... Her parents die tragically when she's young, and her estate is burnt down when she's young. And she ends up uh, living a life kind of of a swashbuckling pirate. But she tries to, like, she tries to Robin Hood it in that she steals from wealthy merchants and tries to not ever steal from, like, the poor farmers and stuff. Um, and her main objective throughout her whole 
adult life is to seek vengeance on the people who caused her her father's demise and um there's lots of like backstabbing that happens and it's just I've never been into pirate novels or the most I ever got into pirates was when I was like a preteen and I was drooling over Johnny Depp and Orlando Bloom with, still with eyeliner and <laughs> yeah same but um, <laughs> but yeah so I never really was into like piratey adventures but this this book did captivate my attention I, I think the fact that she's a woman that's like captaining this ship and she has like four really close crewmates. She has like an entire crew, but she has four thieves that she takes with her everywhere. And there's Andre and he's very handsome and charming and he like, he can charm men and women, but he's asexual, which I love asexual representation. He never, I don't think he ever marries throughout the whole book. Uh, he doesn't have like a romantic interest or partner. There's Rebecca, who you later find out is a lesbian. Woohoo! Lots of sexual representation. Night Vale's really good about that. They do a good job of representing all the different sexualities. But basically, um, Rebecca is, uh, she's a young Jewish lady, and she's really good at disguises. She can disguise herself as a man or a woman, and just by the way that she acts and talks, you can convince, she can convince you that she's, like, a different size, even, like, large or small. She's just... I don't know, very, uh, sneaky. And then there's Laura, and she's a very, very large Spanish woman, and she's, like, a giant, and she can beat the shit out of anybody. <laughs> so notice how, like, her crewmates are mostly women, and they're, like, strong women, too, and she's the captain of this ship, and she is pretty strong resolve, and there is a romance that takes place with her, but it's not ever on the front burner. Like, it's kind of something that she just ends up doing because she's, like out of options. She doesn't settle, but she, she's done doing her adventuring for the time and she settles down for a little while and then she decides to do more adventuring and that's fine. And the romance was never her drive and shit, I appreciate that. God damn. So they made a strong, a strong character with not having romance as her drive. I just really appreciated that. Um, and so, yeah, basically it's set as, like, her adventures all around Europe doing fun piratey things and then cut with these modern-day uh, flashes to her leading Craig to the proper lifestyle. And, huh, let's see, do I have anything else to say to it about it? Oh, yeah, I wanted to say that I think that the prose in this book is really thoughtful and there's so much beautiful imagery in it that I am, like, frequently just, like, transported directly to, like, the orchards that she grew up on. And I'm actually going to read, like, a little part in here that'll just prove to you how well written and descriptive this book is. Um, and I think that I have talked about all the things. Yeah, basically I really enjoyed listening to this book because it was, like, a really good escape from all the harsh gross things that are happening in the world right now. So, yeah, it was really good. I think I will read just, this isn't really plot driven at all. It's just like a little excerpt to show you how good the imagery is in this book. Okay. Here is what an orange tree smells like. At the base of the tree, it smells like soil, the churn of earth, and the sun that heats it. If it is warm enough to grow oranges, then it is warm enough to bake the soil, and the scent will rise up, a dense, gritty smell, pleasant without being beautiful. When the rain comes, the smell changes, becoming sharper, a smell that is as squishy and thick as the mud that makes it. 
The tree itself smells like a house that will never be finished building, the dust of wood and all that binds wood together. It is a smell that grows with the tree, gaining the smells of what lives on and around it. A squirrel runs up the bark and now the squirrel's nest, a faint trace of pungent animal mixes with the stolid smell of wood. Between the continuous vegetable hum of the leaves, there are the flowers that smell more like the fruit than the fruit itself. A perfume that smells like a miracle, but also a reminder that life does not end with the humanity. The smell of the flowers is extra human, and it does not need us. It is the smell of running under a hot sun, the smell of falling into cool water. The flowers are the dream of the fruit, and the dream of the sweetness to come. And then the fruit themselves, echo of the flower's perfume, but more tangible. There is a weight to their smell, and, when punched open with a thumb, the fizzy aroma of pulp and juice. That is what an orange tree smells like. So, like, damn. <laughs> so, yeah, the, she has another one that's, uh, this is what the, the ocean smells like, and, oh, that one's really good, too. Yeah. yeah um, wow. It's a, like I said, I was surprised because I'm used to the books being kind of uh, kitschy and quirky, you know, and kind of weird. And this book is definitely weird, but the overarching theme isn't the same weird supernatural stuff that you're getting in the other Welcome to Night Vale novels and podcasts. It's it's mostly like just an adventurous storyline, and then there's like some supernatural stuff added to the sides. So, yeah, I really liked it. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I definitely want to read it. I okay. have wanted to read Alice Isn't Dead because I'm actually having <gasps> a hard time just listening to the podcast because mm-hmm. I, I feel like... I don't know, I feel like I'll get more out of it if I actually read it. Um, so that's on my list because I really enjoy that podcast. I love Alice Isn't um, Dead. Yeah. So I think I'm going to try to read that. But when you are done with this or if you're done with it, I'm this, done with it now okay. if you want to take it. I do. Height. Okay. Uh, well, I guess I'll talk about mine. I read Stone Five by C.A. Robin, who is a friend of Morgan's. I was actually going to do two books today, but I love this book so much that I just decided to only talk about it. Um, I was really shocked. This is a self-published book, and I loved it. Like, yeah. um, Emily will tell you, I read it in all together, I'd say about five hours. It's nice. not a very long book, um, and I fell in love with um, just about every character. <laughs> so the main character is Terrence Stone. Um, and Stone Five is just referencing, um, referencing, referencing <laughs> the five stone children. Terrence Stone, Drex and Landon Stone. I want to say Drax like, um, Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yes! <laughs> um, who are twins. There is Rylan, um, and Paxton, who's the oldest. He was the father figure for them after their parents died in this really tragic accident where they were, um, I believe they were hit, it was like a hit and run from a a junkie, killed their parents, like, on site. It was awful. And then there are two main characters. The first one is Taryn, and then it's Elder. It kind of, like, switches off on, how do I, I, like, always elegantly have this in my head, and then when I'm going to talk about it, it's like, what are words? Mm -hmm. This is fucking stupid. (laughs) Um, but anyway, the book switches off from Taryn to Elder, and, by the way, I freaking love that name, Elder. His name is Elder Kramer. Um, and Elder, his family has been very close with Terrence's family, because their parents, like, went to high school together and were very close, so they basically raised their kids together, um, and they were just a very, (laughs) 
Sorry, I just read one of my notes. Um, <laughs> they're a very close-knit family. Um, so, Taryn has this really shit boyfriend. I call him evil ex-boyfriend, like Scott Pilgrim, seven evil exes. <laughs> yes. This is her one evil ex. Um, and I call... <laughs> I put in my notes, this man is a fugly slut. I hate him. Don't trust him. <laughs> he treated her like shit. He was very abusive to her. Um, and basically the whole story is her trying to get the fuck away from him. Mm. So she wasn't, she had just gotten out of jail. She's been out for about a year. She didn't tell her family because she didn't feel like none of them wanted to talk to her. They stopped writing her letters. They stopped visiting her. So she got out and she started a new life. She's a um, tattoo artist. She's got a shop. Um, and she's got this really great friend called Jude. And then Amy. They're a couple. Jude and Amy are a couple. And I want them all to be a thruple. Just saying. <laughs> um, so um, Elder and Taryn have this really like beautiful meant-to-be bond. It's kind of always been there since they were very young. Even after Taryn's family like her parents died uh she was still there for elder when his parents were going through a lot because they also suffered when her parents died because they you know they grew up with her they would sneak into each other's bedrooms at night they lived right across the street from each other it's like this very convenient romance mm -hmm. um so they were each other's like comfort system and they really created this close-knit intimacy that was that was always more romantic than it was brotherly and sisterly. Mm -hmm. So we are following Elder and Kramer through this, or Elder and Kramer, his Elder name is Elder Kramer. Kramer. <laughs> Elder and Taryn through this kind of crazy roller coaster love story because um, her family thinks she, her family thinks she went to jail because she was on drugs, and they have kept their distance. She kept their she kept her distance. Elder. Um, he's a detective and he knew that she was out of jail for that whole year because he was checking up on her. She got out early, by the way. She was only supposed to be, she was supposed to be in jail for 15 years and she got out after six on good behavior and because the jail was like reaching max capacity. Mm -hmm. So, um, he knew she was out of jail, but he never went to go see her, never called her, never wrote her or anything because, you know, there's a reason that she was keeping her distance from him. So, um... She immediately got into this relationship with this guy, Cade. Oh, we don't name. like Cade. Cade's name fucking bad. Yeah. She does a really good job, I should mention, of like just perfectly describing how an abusive relationship starts Ooh. from this from the front all the way to the back. Mm -hmm. Um and it just got insane she let him move in after like two months he got really possessive he like beat her once because she touched one of her customers which by the way she's a tattoo artist Yikes. of course she touched her customer it just got really really violent and he was bringing like drugs into her home which she was on probation, yeah, on probation. so if she gets caught with any drugs if they do like a random search of her home she goes back to jail. So she, after that, she kind of just kicked him out because she was like, I can't deal with this. And he was just, he lost his shit. Kate is, like, obsessively scary. Like, he yeah. wants her and he doesn't want her to have anyone else. But at the same time, he's like, she's a whore. She's disgusting. Mm -hmm. Like, he just, she goes through all of those abusive tropes when, when she created Cade. And we fucking hate this asshole. Um, but anyway, there's a happy ending. Um, <laughs> Cade goes to jail. Actually, I think he, 
I'm pretty sure he dies. Um, <laughs> not a spoiler. You look forward to it. <laughs> Honestly. Um, there is this crazy um, storyline about how she, like, why she, what she was arrested for. But if I say it, that's going to be a major spoiler for the book. But I think I should say it because... We want to encourage people to read them. Well, we can be like, spoiler in three, two, one. I like that, yeah. <laughs> and then you can like, we can tell them, I don't know. I don't know. You can skip. Skip <laughs> ahead. You have one minute to give your... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so the reason... Okay, so you know that she has this distance from her family. So she finds out first that, well, I should say spoilers, lots of spoilers coming up. If you want to read the book, you might want to stop listening or skip ahead about <laughs> 10 minutes. I don't know. So when she was in jail, her aunt Sarah and Uncle Dex, those are the two people who raised her after her parents died. Her aunt was writing her letters the whole time, but she was putting in, she was putting in the letters um, that she she wanted to break her out like as a joke Aww. and that goes against prison law so they were confiscating the letters Aww. so this whole time she didn't think any of her family wanted to see her but it's because her grandma was making this joke or her grandma her auntie was making this joke and her letters were being oh, no. kept from her that was more the only reason sarah hadn't seen her but everyone else it's like why didn't you come and visit her so drex and landon um, they don't actually really talk much. She doesn't talk much about Landon until the end when they sort of reconcile, like, why they haven't spoken or why they're so, what's the word I'm looking for, like, disenfranchised mm -hmm. with each other. Um, they kind of have that moment towards the end, but they, they don't really tell us why Landon was so distant. And I think it's more because of his status. He's like this kind of big CEO brother. So it was probably more, I can't have this, my sister with a drug charge on my back, you know? Drex um, married elder sister Sawyer, who was Taryn's best friend. And Sawyer would come and visit her and write her letters until Drex told her to stop just because he didn't want her to be around criminals and he thought it was really dangerous to go to the prison and it was more it was like kind of understandable but at the same time it was more like attacking your sister who's also in prison mm -hmm. she's not a criminal she was around murders and raper and rapist for a drug possession mm -hmm. um and then there's rylan rylan is the reason that she is in jail right it was rylan's she had like a a needle and I think there was heroin in the bag and it was like stuffed under the car the front car seat mm -hmm. and it was Rylan's um, and she still has this habit she is actually barely visible through the book until the the very end we kind of have this idea that Taryn just doesn't she doesn't really acknowledge her there like she just she doesn't mm -hmm. say anything she's keeping the secret because she's a good sister but she does not want to like associate with her so we don't get a lot of Rylan until the very end in the epilogue where the end of the book is Rylan coming in I think it's Thanksgiving I think it's Thanksgiving she's coming in and she's like she got like bloodshot eyes and she's like going straight to her bed because she's tired and you can tell that she's on something and it's Taryn sort of confronting her like what are you on and she's just like leave me alone and that whole thing sets up 
that there's probably going to be a second book and it's probably going to go into Ryland. And I'm really, I, that's Ooh. what I'm really wanting because I think that would be a really good follow-up of this. Mm-hmm. That's, I guess that's like her whole deal with her family because it's about her reconnecting with Elder, getting away from this really crazy abusive relationship that actually ends with the death of one of her good friends. And then... Um, her reconciling her entire relationship. Did I already say that? <laughs> <laughs> it's her reconciling her entire relationship with her family as well. So, I really like the book. <laughs> I thought it was fabulous. That's awesome. I can't wait to read it. I really liked this line, and I don't know because it was it was like a thought, but she still put it in quotation. So I don't know if it's referencing something else or if she actually wrote this line, but it's. The high of almost dying is so much better than living. Ooh. And I'm like, that's powerful. But if you want a good romance that's a quick read and just really intense, I would definitely give Stone 5 a chance because I really liked it. Every now and then, I need, like, a good romance because I have been... feel good. Yeah, and it used to be the only thing I would ever read was romance, and then I branched out... And I haven't really read anything that has romance in it lately because I've been reading so much, like, nonfiction. Mm-hmm. So it was just really nice to read. And I just... Everyone read it. <laughs> Support um. C.A. Robin because I would love to see more from her. Um, I really want a second book about Rylan. I want it so bad. <laughs> you hear that, C.A. <laughs> Robin? <laughs> but this... I mean, this book was just... It was really good. It was kind of funny at moments it had the romance cringe that made you go like oh god but it was cute so you're like oh this is cute like the whole time I just really enjoyed it so thank you so much for letting us read this yes thank you for sending it to us I really appreciate it so yeah I I haven't read it yet but Aisha loves it I'm sure I will (laughs) give me that second book though It was just really, I just didn't expect so much, like, heart-wrenching moments, like the death of her parents, and then Elder's parents fighting, and then um, Cade being a butthole, the, her, her disenfranchisement with her family. I think that's the right word. I think so. I'm gonna sound smart. So, um, I just, please, give it a, give it a shot. Just do it. Do it! But that's what I got from my book today. Woohoo! Yes. We will put a link to where you can purchase this book in our show notes. Yes, yeah. we will. And actually, if you go back to the first episode, or well, if you want to go back to that, we we mentioned this, and it should be on the show notes there too. If you want to look, at, if you want to go back and look at that, I don't know why you would if it's on this one, but you totally can. It's your <laughs> it's your option. We'll <laughs> also be like taking some a picture of it and posting it on our Instagram so you can see the cover. Yeah. You can get an idea of what that looks like. Um, yeah. You can buy it on Amazon, but I will put the show notes for you. Or I'll put it in the show notes for you. And you can fall in love with Taryn and Elder just like I did. (laughs) And we can, we can together hate Cade. Cade (laughs) is an evil ex. (laughs) He must be destroyed. He's a fugly slut. (laughs) (laughs) Do not trust him. All right. You want to talk about the other stuff that we're absorbing today? Not today. Do you want to do your fan cast first? Oh, shh. I thought I was going to get away with not saying it. Nope. You got to do your fan cast because I'm excited to hear it. (laughs) Um, I only like half-heartedly. Okay. So listen, there's who I pictured while I was listening to it. 
And then there was me making sense of the ages and timelines. And then I was like, well, that doesn't work. So I will kind of um, tell you when and where. I also want to preface by saying I've been watching the entirety of Mad Men. I'm on the last season. That influences this because I had Mad Men on the mind. And so I just kind of filled the characters in um, accordingly. So... When the faceless old woman, who by the way, she's never given a name in the book, which I kind of really appreciate that. Um, the faceless old woman, when she is a young child, of course I pictured her as the young woman who played Sally Draper, uh, the, the baby child at the time when she was a child. <laughs> baby child. But then she's not a baby child anymore. <laughs> so I just like filled her in as a young adult. She's like 20 now. And like there's a big chunk of the book that takes place when she's like 20. So it works. Her name is Kiernan Shipka. Oh, I she's love uh, Sabrina, the teenage yeah. witch. Isn't she adorable, she's guys? So, cute. so mm -hmm. she'll be a great little swashbuckling piratess. <laughs> um, but then I was like, well, that doesn't work for the rest of the time. But uh, just use, you know, we have CGI now, so just give her some wrinkles. Eventually, she's not gonna have a face, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I could just do um, makeup effects. Yeah, makeup effects. Yeah, yeah. like give they'll do something some to make her like an old lady, because she does. She shows up as a child, as a teenager as a young woman, as a woman in her 30s, as a woman in her 50s, and a woman in her 80s, and then a 200-year-old faceless woman. Wow. So, like, that's going to be hard to cast regardless. Yeah. And I quickly realized that, and I just jumped ship. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can't do this today. And so, also, Edmund. I didn't mention Edmund in the my summary, which is hilarious, because he's actually, like, one of my favorite characters. I adore him. Edmund was close friends with her father, and he was a business partner with her father. And when he was there the night that her father was killed and the estate was burned, they were trying to do a transaction. And basically the transaction went bad and the, the smugglers that they were doing the transaction with just fucking ruined everything. And so he was there and he took um, the our main character, our protagonist, under his wing and they fled to somewhere. They ended up in Spain, and they joined a different kind of um, group of smugglers and pirates, and he becomes a spy master. And so he's just like this eloquent guy. I picture him with a British accent. And so, of course, because I've been watching Mad Men, I pictured him as Jared Harris, who plays uh, Lane Price, the British man in Mad Men. I've never seen Mad Later, Men. when I was reading, I don't know why I'm so enthralled with Jared Harris. He is just this ugly English guy, and I just love him. He's so adorable. <laughs> So anyways, um, I don't know what my problem is. Anyways, I just love his character, Lane Price, so much. And so that's instantly who I pictured. I'm like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. He, like, takes this girl under his wing, and he's, like, a father figure to her, Uncle Uncle Edmund. Um, but then I realized later on, I don't think, I don't know how well it was described in the beginning of the book, but later on you realize that he's, like, like, yeah. I know he's, like, is. he's, like not even 20 years older than her like he's so if her dad dies when he's when she's like I think nine or ten then he was like 30 which means the 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 casting I don't think that the age lines up quite right I don't know so anyways he's still who I pictured as Uncle Edmund but um if we want to cast an actor who was a little bit younger than him we could always do Rob James Collier who played um uh he played Thomas Barrow in Downton Abbey, and he's lovely also. And then, okay, so for Andre, her, like, charming, attractive male uh, thief on her team, I chose, uh, is it Dacre Montgomery? Oh, uh, Dacre! Because, like, isn't that perfect? He could charm the pants off of anybody, especially when he's not wearing a mullet. And so, like... <laughs> 
No, he especially <laughs> when he's wearing a mullet. Don't even. Do not downplay the sexiness of that mullet. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, and then for Rebecca, who is the young Jewish woman who is like a shapeshifter almost. Like, not really, but she can like, she can just disguise herself as anything. I chose Abby Quinn. I don't know what she's in other than the movie Landline. Uh, I might have cast her as some other in some other fan cast, but, um, she's pretty cute. I don't know what else she's in. I just looked it up yesterday too, and I can't think of it. Um, and then for Laura, Laura is the, she's like a giant. Um, she's a Spanish woman and I cannot, I don't know any, first of all, don't, I don't know any giant actresses in general. I especially don't know any giant Spanish actresses, and I looked. Um, <laughs> I just gave up, and I was like, listen, we're in the world of CGI. Just make someone look bigger. And so I chose Stephanie Beatriz. Um, she plays the bisexual detective in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She's hot oh, as yeah. fuck. <laughs> Anyways, uh, she, I mostly chose her because she could kick anyone's ass, and she's small. So make her big, <laughs> and she's going to, like, ruin people. Um, I didn't choose anyone for Craig because Craig is just a normal-ass guy, and I'm like, any white guy in Hollywood, I don't care. Um, literally did not want to give him the time of day. I don't care about Craig. Listen, his name's Craig. Just give him a white guy. More I don't power care. to you. <laughs> and then for Amaranta, which is who he marries, um... I chose Hannah Simone. She plays Cece in New Girl. Uh, she's beautiful. And that's she's all gorgeous. that I chose. I don't know if there were other characters. If there were, I don't care about them. Um, <laughs> just kidding. And so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was fab, by the way. Thank you. I love your in-depth description, because I usually just uh, research someone that's in my mind, mm -hmm. or like um, a specific attribute of an actress, and then mm -hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, that one. You, like, put a lot of thought into your fan casting. It's, like, stupid. It's, like, part of my anxiety. Because <laughs> I did this before we had a podcast. I would, like, sit there. Purdue would be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just researching actors to be in my fan cast <laughs> that I'm never going to share with anybody ever. It has to actually be a person from Argentina because this character is Argentinian. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, I take it. Well, you're doing better seriously. than Hollywood would. They would describe them <laughs> in the book why. as Argentinian and then put a white woman in the place. <laughs> with so. black hair. Yeah. Um, that's why I don't want to be Hollywood. I want to actually be inclusive when I cast, and so that's why I stress out about it too much. You know what I think? I think that when people are casting, they shouldn't think about physical attributes of the character. Like, um, I don't remember what this movie was called, but I think it was at the Neon, and I want to say it was in, like, Sundance or something, and they had actors just playing parts. So the mom mm -hmm. was white, the dad was black, the daughter mm -hmm. was, like, probably just a white girl. And it's like, that's how casting should be. We shouldn't be looking for people who look the same because that's the problem. Right. You know what I mean? If you're casting a movie, you should cast it like you would cast a play. You just put mm -hmm. people in parts. Rodgers and Hammerstein, Cinderella, starring Boom. Brandy. That's just... It's a... First of all, like, wow. It was made in the 90s so and just the face of inclusivity. Phenomenal. And it was phenomenal and well acted and beautiful. The music oh, is my it. favorite. I would yes. love to play um, the fairy godmother in that because I love the music. Yes. I'd and, play um, an ugly stepsister in a heartbeat. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. 
And then they had, literally, they had Whoopi Goldberg, they had this yeah. white man as her husband, and they had a Filipino son. Yeah! Are you telling me that's not fucking fabulous? Like, it was so good. <laughs> that's how people should, that's how people should cast. Yeah. It just You're makes right. sense to me. It, it kills any kind of standard, any beauty standard for, yeah. I don't know, because it's just like, when you're constantly looking for people that look alike, you end up where we are now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's reform the mu- the movie and the music industry. The music mm-hmm. industry needs help. Um, Molly needs help. We gotta tear the whole thing down just, and build it right back Honestly. Up. Just, <laughs> ooh, start from the beginning. <laughs> Alright, give me that fan cast. I don't have a fan cast. Oh, shit. <laughs> I should have done a fan cast, and actually, I was just thinking, well, next, for our next episode, I'm doing, I'm gonna do Underground Railroad, Railroad, why can't I say that <laughs> word? Railroad. Underground Railroad. Um, but I think I'm still gonna do a fan cast for this, and yeah, I'm just gonna do it do on it. our next I episode. I would love to hear Because <laughs> I, I really tried to do this before we started, and I was like, I can't, I need to put more thought into mm-hmm. this. So I'm it's going like to do it. Almost. Yeah, it really like, honestly, you gotta find the perfect <laughs> person. Um, so, let's get into media absorption. Oh yeah, shit. Oh, sorry. We're cursing. Oh, what am I saying? We cur- cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I've already said every other word. It's fine. Said all the things. <laughs> I put our podcast as um, explicit, so you can say whatever the fuck you want. Um, anyway, um, I'll, should I go first or? I don't care. Do it. Okay. Um, so I don't have a lot of music. I, I have four songs that I've been like very much just listening to or repeat. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a super big fan of Camila Cabela, Cabella. I think it's Kabea. Um, I'm not a super big fan of that, but I really like the song My Oh My, but she does this, like, acoustic version with Shawn Mendes that I, it was on Instagram for a little bit. They did, like, an Instagram concert for, during quarantine, and it's on YouTube, and her voice is phenomenal! I'm like, I want to do this song so bad, but I can't hit those notes. So, um, check it out. Just, you don't have to listen to the original version. She even, I love it when artists do covers of their songs with rappers in it, and they sing the rap part. She did Uh that, and I was like, I love this so much. So, check that out. Um, there's this Korean show called Superband, where, um, it's, it's a contest between all of these bands to they usually do like popular pop songs, either K-pop or American pop, um, and they do these really phenomenal covers. And some of them even bring in like cellos and violins. It's really really cool. Ooh. So one of my favorite songs is called One Thousand Times. Um, that's One Thousand X by Superman. Listen, listen to the super the Superman version of it. It's so well done. I listen to it on repeat. I wish I could sing that well, so I could do a cover, but. I can't. Um, <laughs> so check that out. And honestly, just check out the songs that they... Because they have these songs on Spotify under Superband. So just check out some of those songs because they're really good covers. And if you can, watch them on YouTube because they have some really impressive setups. Like, um, this one band did this song called Paradise Lost. It's a... Um, I think it's about two lesbians falling in love, which is something very frowned upon in Korea. Um, because they are not, I think it's, I don't want to say that because I'm not super sure, but I know it's really frowned upon to be gay in Korea, and I'm pretty sure that's what the song's about, and, um, it's this really sexy music video, and it's a really great song by this woman named Gaian, um, and this band, 
did this awesome cover of it, like this really hard rock cover of it that is so good. Paradise Lost, check it out, Super Band. Um, <laughs> I'm listening to Chainsmokin' by Jacob Banks. He's this really phenomenal black singer with this guttural voice that is haunting. It's beautiful. Um, if you like, um, who's that guy that sings, um, Say You Won't Let Go? James Arthur, I think is his name. If you like him, you will love Jacob Banks, but check out Chainsmoking, because I've been in love with that song. And then I've been listening to Why We Ever by Haley Williams hey. on repeat. Um, so we've already talked about that. Just listen to the whole damn album, but I really like Why We Ever, so let me know how you feel about that. And go ahead. What are you gonna say? I was just decided that I'm gonna make us a little playlist on Spotify with all these in it, and I'll throw a few more of my songs in there too. I was just gonna talk about one song, but I'll throw a few more in. I'll talk about that when I get to mine. Cool. Go okay. Um, shows. I've been watching Undone on Amazon, which. If you've ever seen Waking Life, which I keep telling Morgan to watch, Waking Life is phenomenal if you like a good, um, just, it's one of, it's a Richard Linklater film, so it's very much philosophical, and it talks a lot about the dream state and being present, it talks a lot about, um, the government and politics, um, it's just really kind of, like, weird and fabulous I wouldn't say I don't think that's the word I'm looking for because it's not that like flamboyant it's just something that you're gonna watch and you're gonna get something from it like it it just is phenomenal every single scene is is drawn over like they had all the actors play the parts and they drew over them and every scene is done by a different artist so it all looks different is that the one with Bob Odenkirk probably yeah, I think he's a, yeah. in the very beginning. Yes, yeah, I think I know what you're about. Oh, no, I think that's um, Undone. Yeah, <laughs> he's confused. a dad. He's okay. a dad in Undone. Yes. So if you've seen Waking Life, that art style is sort of mirrored in Undone. And it talks about the concept of time because she is, like, recovering from a car accident and just her absolute trash life. And um, she ends up seeing her dead dad and um trying and she's like trying to figure out how he died or trying to help him figure out who killed him or like what happened to him but she keeps being thrown into these different time periods or not time periods but more like moments i wouldn't say she's like um in the past or the present but she's like having these moments that she's present in but being thrown into them at different times so she has to like put them together and um it talks more about his job, and he was researching the concept of time in a really scientific way uh, that I am not even going to pretend to explain. Just fucking watch it. It's goddamn good. I am obsessed with this. Um, and then I've been watching Killing Eve, which I didn't expect to be so good. Um, it has Sandra Oh in it, and it's about, like, this uh, Russian assassin. What? Who's, she's just badass. This what girl. What is that? That's on, uh, Killing Eve is on Hulu. Undone is on Amazon Prime, by the way. Uh, I don't think you need any extensions to watch it. I think it's just on Amazon Prime. Um, but Killing Eve is on Hulu. And, yeah, so she's like this... I don't think she's... I don't even think she's a t detective. I'm pretty sure she was fired from her job. But she sort of gets obsessed with this woman who's who also, in turn, starts becoming obsessed with her. And it's this weird sort of love story, but they're trying to kill each other. It's 
insane. Ooh. Just watch Killing Eve. Like, I was not expecting it to be this good. <laughs> I like Sandra Oh. I love Sandra Oh. Mm-hmm. Mama. Um, so that's what I got for shows. And then two podcasts that I started listening to, because I am completely caught up on Morbid. I can't Whoa. even believe it. Um, I found one called uh, Little Black Witch, which yeah. I'm really liking. Um, I just wanted to find somewhere where I fit in. <laughs> so that's what I found. Sounds perfect. Um, <laughs> so if you're a Little Black Witch, check it out. And my true crime obsession... Which, they followed us on, like, everything. Thank you, Mike, True Crime Obsession. We appreciate you. And it's, like, this husband and wife who have really good chemistry. Which, um, obviously, because they're husband and wife. But, I mean, that doesn't always happen for everyone. But I enjoy listening to them. It's not necessarily Ash and Elena, but it's, like, another nice, quirky back and forth that I enjoy. And they talk about... They're based in Cincinnati. So they talk about some murders. I've only listened to a couple of them, but they are very much focused in Cincinnati when they talk about the murder. So I thought that was really cool. So check them out, My True Crime Obsession. And yeah, that's what I got for media absorption. Sorry, I went in. (laughs) That's okay. I actually have a mouthful too. Sorry. It's a long one this time, guys. (laughs) Stick with us. We know you can. Okay, I have... um, I've been watching... uh, I finally watched Parasite. Oh, that was such a good movie. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I don't know what I expected. It was not what I expected. Well, okay. I don't think I'm spoiling it by saying I thought it was supernatural and it was not, and that was ma- that made it a million times better. Mm-hmm. I th- Parasite. I didn't know anything about it except that it won awards and that it was Korean. Um, so when I hear Parasite, I thought it was like kind of like post-apocalyptic, kind of like I don't know. For a moment Anyways. though, I was like. Is she talking about the anime or the movie? No, yeah, because people have been talking about the anime, too. No, Which I'm talking I started. about the movie. Um, yes, I heard that. I heard it's good. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm talking about the movie. It's on Hulu, I think. And I watched I Dude, I loved it. I'm, I'm going to make Brody watch it soon because it was, it was so good. The cinematography, like, no wonder it won freaking awards. So that was really good. I finally got around to finishing BoJack Horseman. So BoJack Horseman's a movie that I, a movie, a show that I like, I watched when it was two seasons in all the way through really quickly. And then every time there's been a new season, I've like slowly gotten around to it. And so by the time this new one came out, like the second part of the sixth season came out, I was like, man, I don't even remember what's happening in any of it. So I rewatched the entire thing slowly in the background. And then when we got to season six, I actually paid attention so, like, I kind of refreshed myself. So that's part of the reason it took me forever. Also, I've been watching so many other shows lately. It just kind of took a back seat for a while. And, um, wow, I was talking with Brody about how much I love BoJack Horseman. I would lump it in with, like, flowers in the way that it, like, tackles the hilariousness of real fucking mental health issues. And real issues in general. But it's, like quirky and funny but also like so real and Mm. raw and sometimes it really catches you off guard and then also like the like just the super fast-paced constant jokes and the recurring jokes really take you to Arrested Development. Brody and I it's like one of our top shows ever Arrested Development is it's so funny and it does it has that same quick wit the same recurring jokes throughout seasons throughout one of my favorites is the fat was like the part where todd like stumbles on the catwalk and people are like oh 
that outfit. I get it. It's like a statement about how fashion is classist and blah, blah, blah. And then like for the rest of the freaking show, you'll see people in the background wearing like the Todd Chavez outfit. And I just like, there she is. Aisha has a pop figure of Todd Chavez. He's my favorite. He's going to stand here and look over our conversation now. Thank you, Todd. Thank you for everything you've done. He's such a pure character. That's another good representation of asexuality. Um, and so, yeah, I just really love the show. I love, it does so many things like the episode where he's underwater and he like doesn't talk at all. That's such a good episode. And I feel like Bojack Horseman is the only show that can do stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Um, I love the episode where he gives the, um, what's it called now? The eulogy at his mother's wedding. The whole episode is like one shot. There are no other characters in it. It's just him giving a eulogy. I don't think if I had sat down, you were, you told me I was going to watch just an episode of him just standing there talking. I don't think I would have wanted to sit still for it, but it drew me in and I watched the whole freaking thing and I had some feelings and it's just like. Oh, and I didn't even mention the fact that, like, this show is constantly bringing up real-world issues Mm -hmm. in, like, yes, it's in a funny way, but I don't want to say that it's making jokes of these issues. If anything, it makes you realize how stupid it is that these things are issues. Mm -hmm. Like, when, um, when women start carrying guns all the time, and the NRA is finally like, make gun laws, and then the news is like, and it turns out that America hates women more than it hates <laughs> giving up its guns. Mm-hmm. And just, like, it's all really real shit. And I just love that so much. And I relate to Diane a lot more than I want to. God, yes. Because Diane has a lot of, like, she's she's not an unlikable character, but she has, like, a lot of qualities that make her unlikable <laughs> to people. Oh, there's our Diane Pop. <laughs> now she's hanging out with us, too. Thanks, Diane, for everything you've done. There's an episode um, in the last half of season six where she's trying to write her book of personal essays, and I just, like, (laughs) I related to the whole episode so much. She's trying to write her memoir. She can't get out what she needs to say on paper. She's a writer, but she can't, and this goes back to what we were saying earlier. I was, like, laughing inside because I was like, this is going to have to do with my Diane talk. She can't, like, orchestrate her feelings on paper. And she's going back to all these memories, and she's like, I know I was, like, traumatized by some of these things that happened to me, but now that I'm trying to write it, it sounds stupid, and I can't figure it out. And then, like, basically there are, like, these sketches of her memories, and her father, like, or is it Bojack? One of them, like, turns into this monster, and they're like, your damage isn't interesting, and you're unworthy of love. And I was like, oh, man, I feel that whenever I try to write. And I know it's like... I know it's not true, but I do feel that when I try to write. I'm like, my damage is nothing. Like, I had a lot of privilege compared to other people. I went through a lot of shit as a child. I went through a lot of traumatizing things, but there are people that had it so much worse, and who am I to complain about my lot in life? And so anytime I try to write, like, personal essays, I always come back to that. And so seeing that on TV and being like, oh, that's not just me feeling that. Like, that's a common feeling that definitely other people feel. Mm -hmm. That was... That was nice. I think that comes with comparing our lives with other people's. It's like our pain isn't going to be the same as other people's Mm -hmm. pain. Even if they've been through more pain, it doesn't mean that you've been through less. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, so love me some Diane. Love me some BoJack Horseman. It's a really good show if you're paying attention. I know there are people that just like laugh it off like, ha ha, funny animals talk with word jokes. But actually, if you're paying attention, it's so 
so fucking meaningful and deep. Don't you just love the concept of the adult cartoon? Because yeah. they tend to, I mean, there's it really like bends the, the, yeah. There's, well, there, because there's like the American dad, which is just kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Although they have this beautiful alien creature that can literally be anything, <laughs> so they have like freedom to yeah. do and say whatever they want, which is cool. But then you have Bojack Horseman, which has like, there no has rules. all that humor in it, but yeah, there are no rules, so they can freely act out and do all of these real things that we're experiencing. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's crazy. Yeah. But that's why I love cartoons. That's why if someone ever tells you that you're a child for watching cartoons, flick them off. Kick them in the butt. Um, <laughs> you're allowed to watch anything you want to watch. It doesn't mean you're any less mature. <laughs> that's right. Don't ever let anyone make you feel bad about the things you enjoy, unless you enjoy, like, you know, making people miserable. Don't yeah. enjoy that. Don't enjoy uh, racism. <laughs> don't enjoy racism or sexism or physical or mental or just live your life. Anyways. Yeah, just do wholesome things mm-hmm. or I'll come get you. Um, okay, I've been listening to a couple of podcasts. Um, I was only going to talk about one, but then I listened to another one today that jarred me, so I have to talk about that one too. Okay, I was listening to, right now, I think, I'm trying to find good ways to kind of stay informed without like killing my brain, and I have been listening to this podcast called Throughline. T-H-R-O-U-G-H-L-I-N-E. Um, it's done by NPR, so I like I trust the source. And they talk about um, how history lines up with things that are in our headlines right now. So like the first episode I listened to was called American Police. And they talk about the history of the American police system and how it was literally built on um, just like local militias of villagers just keeping the slaves in line, keeping them from uh, escaping, and how it was built on that. And it was always, from the very beginning, built on this racism. And, you know, like, in New York City, once the population was growing and growing, it was, like, built to keep people in their zones, and it was to bully people into certain political stances. And it's always been kind of nasty. And so... um it was really interesting to listen to, also a little bit disheartening. Like, you're not going to feel good after listening to Three Lines, sorry. But it still <laughs> feels good to be informed, I guess. Um, then the other episode that I really <laughs> was moved by was called Presidential Power. Basically, it's about how the Founding Fathers, when they wrote the Constitution, they did not want to give the President very much power because they were trying to stay away from dictatorship so they initially did not give the president very much power, and slowly the president started giving himself more and more power. Um, I think uh, Richard Nixon was one of the first ones that really... Richard Nixon was one of the first presidential candidates that really polarized polarized, polarized our <laughs> political parties, I'm and he gave him... Yeah, like the Tony on Pilots one. He gave himself power it's complicated and I'm not smart but he managed to like loophole his way into more power George Bush managed to get more power after 9-11 and even Barack Obama managed to pry open a little bit more power doing I think the airstrikes um, during the Iraq war and so like now Donald Trump is like just like well they got to get away with things and I get to get away with things he's too. fucking five years and old and he's a giant <laughs> fucking orange toddler with sausage fingers um, so basically 
the man that they were interviewing, they were like, if our founding fathers could see the state of our country right now, would they say that we were under a dictatorship? And he, like, didn't even hesitate. He was like, absolutely, yes, they would consider this a dictatorship. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> not like, okay. I mean, like, we're not, I'm not surprised, but at the same time, when you put it like that, like, holy shit, goddamn. Yeah, so anyways. We gotta vote him out. So, yeah, they um, talk about how history, you know, lines up with our headlines and how upsetting and stressful everything is. Um, just, like, don't listen to that first thing in the morning. Um, <laughs> and, like, meditate afterward or something. Um, so another podcast that I discovered today, I actually did, I discovered it a long time ago. It was called Dirty Bits of History, and it's this woman named Tani Plattis. And it was produced by her husband, George. And so she and her husband were both history buffs. And so they would study bits of history and then talk about the stuff that people don't talk about, like the sex life of Mary Curie and stuff like that. Not just this, not just her sex life, but, but they talk about like, you know, she had an affair with a married man and they talk about the things you don't get in your high school history classes. And there is a lot of like talk about people's sex. I found out through listening to this podcast that like F Scott Fitzgerald was a giant bag of dicks and Zelda Scott Fitzgerald did all the work. She was a little crazy too. They fucked everything all the time. It was really interesting. Um, her husband, George, who he did feature on the show often. Like, I, I had listened to him talk, too. Um, he had an upper respiratory disease, and he passed away rather suddenly this past October. Mm-hmm. And Tawny had a really hard time with it because they were, like, from the way she described it, they were soulmates. Like, they were just really there for each other. They were making this podcast together, you know. They were supporting each other, they were best friends, and they'd been married for six years, I think, and when he died, she was really shaken up by it, obviously, and she was in mourning, and she was trying to find ways to deal with it, and she found that, she found that, like, coping with dark humor was helping her a lot, so she changed the podcast to Death is Hilarious, and she invites other podcasters and voice actors in her area to come on and talk about how they cope with their loss or their grief or their trauma, also with comedy. And she has her friend Sam Peterson um, on, and they write letters to each other throughout the week, and then they read the letters to each other on the podcast. And they're both really good writers, and it's funny. And listening to these women talk about, these people, sorry, um, talk about how they're dealing with their grief and their trauma and their different types of trauma that they have. It's just like, it gave me chills a couple times. I listened to a couple episodes. I, like I said, I'd listen to the dirty bits. And if you go back, the old episodes are still dirty bits of history that you can still listen to those too and get some giggles. Maybe if you need a reprieve from the sad. Um, but it was just, it's just a really well done podcast. I think you can feel their friendship. You almost feel like you're friends with them. Like, you can tell that they're really close and that they're really important to each other dealing with their individual traumas. And so, I don't know. It was really nice to listen to these two people supporting each other and taking care of each other during this time. And they talk about the pandemic and how the world's a flaming garbage ball. And <laughs> it's just really good. So, yeah, I liked it a lot. And I'm almost done. I'm sorry, guys. Um, basically, only songs that I could think of is there's a song by the band Girl Pool called Plants and Worms, and it's really, really good. Um, yeah, I like that song a lot. It's kind of like grungy girl. 
Um, and then there's a song called The Bug Collector by Haley Hendricks, and that one's just really... Oh, God, I'm so bad at describing music. Um, she's singing about bugs in their house <laughs> and how the person that she's with kind of takes them as, like, omens or, like, the person, that person, their partner, do like, feeling like they have to take their pittance or whatever with these bugs. It, it's interesting. I like that. And then uh, Moses Sumney. I don't have any particular songs by him. I heard him on... Um, NPR recently. <laughs> I love NPR. I heard him on NPR recently and then I heard him somewhere else and then somewhere else. He like popped up on music I should listen to on Spotify or something and then I was like, oh he has beautiful vocals and the music itself is really cool. Sometimes I get like a Bonnie Vare vibe from it and it's really good too. So I will put some songs by him in there. Throw them all in. Shake them up. <laughs> Put them in a little playlist for y'all. And that is that. That's all the things that I things. do. That's that's all I got, too. Hey, look at us. We talked. <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening, friends. Thank you so much. We'll see you later. Bye. We Bye. love you. Bye.